get like this tunnel vision like I have to be a producer in the studio making beats for rappers. That's not true. Like you could you could make beats for for podcasts. You can make beats for YouTube channels. You can make instrumental music for like commercials, sync licensing. There's a plethora of other things that you can use with the skills that you have. Welcome to the DIY Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Nico Santana. This is brought to you by DistroKid. Get 7% off your yearly membership plan, distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Nico Santana. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the DIY Artist Podcast. My name is Nico Santana and welcome back. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the last three episodes. Today, I am joined by a friend, a guest of the show, and hopefully a reoccurring guest of the show. He is a producer, but I met him as a rapper, believe it or not. We linked up originally to do this podcast uh, about a week, two weeks ago. Uh, unfortunately, it did not do the podcast justice. It did not do him justice. So we are actually going at this uh, for a second time, trying to get it right. My boy, Mr. Cruz, is in the building, y'all. Welcome, Mr. Cruz. Thank you for doing this again, brother, and I definitely want to recap and, and, and give you the ability to share your story uh, once again, but none of this would be possible if it weren't for the good folks over at DistroKid. So DistroKids, who I'm repping here, this podcast is sponsored by DistroKid, and I just want to give a huge shout out to the artist community who do use DistroKid. Not only are you saving money, but you're tapping into resources that are included in your membership. You're able to do a lot of things DIY for yourself, whether it's promo cards, whether it's mini videos, you name it. You can use a lot of their resources for marketing materials and, of course, getting your music distributed to over 150 digital music platforms. Uh, so make sure to sign up if you haven't already. And if you are a part of the community, again, thank you for being a part of this great DistroKid community as well. By the way, everybody that's been on this podcast has used uh, DistroKid. So there we go. But anyways, man, uh, again, thank you for joining me, bro. I know last time we we had a chance to chat, we went over your history and I'm over here rambling, bro. How are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Super good because uh, today was the last day of school before Thanksgiving break. So I'm looking forward to getting a lot of time in the studio and just being able to chill and take a break. So I'm, I'm chilling, man. No, that's nice great. And sad. and for the audience, man, he, he is not currently attending school. He is a, yeah, yeah. a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> seventh grade math. So. There you go, man. We had a podcast recently. It was actually the, the episode prior to yours. Um, Will Hatton, who's also a producer, he was actually a professor or uh, instructor rather at that uh, university. And so it was cool to see him transition and talk about his transition from being an actual teacher. Of course, he was not teaching math. He was teaching production. But needless to say, he was still in front of an audience. He was still in front of people teaching them a specific subject. Mm-hmm. And that translated really well for him to be able to essentially jump ship and go full time as an online educator, continuing to produce and continuing to put out his music and whatnot and so forth. So yeah. um, are you finding that, you know, kind of between your day job and what you're doing online, there's uh, a little bit of a skill transfer or are, are those two worlds completely different no, for you? Man, um, honestly, man, I was just thinking about this today, how like, you know, um, I'm really like heading into a season of being prepared to like quit my job and then focus on uh, creating content and like music production full time. And I'm just sitting there thinking, of, like, you know, man, I'm probably one day going to make a video talking about like, you know, quitting my job. And I was just really, really grateful that teaching, um, especially like having a career in education, really made me really set me up to be successful, like on YouTube, specifically on YouTube. Um, several years ago, one of my friends was like, you know, I had made like some little tutorial. My friend over in like uh, Berlin, I think it was this, um, 
somewhere somewhere overseas he was like hey man like you should do more of those because like you're really good at like explaining things um and making it simple and then you know kind of on his request i like started making more and uh yeah i would say like being in the classroom and having to teach kids like a very complex um mathematical equation uh made it easy for me in the studio to like all right how does a compressor work how does the eqing work how do you make melodies uh and making videos like that for you know because most of my subscribers are pretty new or beginning producers you know they're newcomers so those are some of the harder hitting videos uh, on my channel as well is the how to the tutorials and, mm -hmm. and and not everybody has that skill not everybody has the ability to transfer um complex information and make it palatable so that you know, a wide range of users can um, can consume that, right? And I think that that's what makes someone in your in your shoes and your position unique. That whether or not you continue to have the day job, it's just refining that skill and continuing to continuing to use it on a day to day basis, whether online or offline. I think that's going to you know set you apart. Um, and and that's what uh, I think we touched on last time that we spoke, which was you know kind of creating that monopoly with your brand and your music and. And you know, at the end of the day, there there are a plethora of of artists and and producers out there. So competition is huge. Uh, we know that the barrier to entry is very low nowadays. Anybody can just grab their laptop and and kind of just you know shoot from the hip and, and go go at it. Upload some you know song on 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 DistroKid and, and and get to Spotify that way, which is great. I think that's hot. that that's an awesome thing to have but at the same time th there are ways to make yourself stand out um from from the rest and i think that that's you know playing into your strengths and also playing into your current situation helps mm -hmm. um out a ton Absolutely. for you I, I i could see that so by the way you've been um you know you've been very active on tiktok and i wanted to shout that out uh which i did last time and and that's really where i found a lot of value in your content because it just made me happy man it's just like a feel good <laughs> like content you're really good at the short form stuff man talk talk to me a little bit about how you got into tiktok and and, and your your thought pattern on that yeah i mean that was like all during covid um like my wife had got a tiktok and so she she was making them and i was like ah oh, you look you look ridiculous over there in the corner with the massive ring ring light and you know doing these silly little skits um but she kind of like encouraged me She's like, oh, you should do it too. Like, it's really fun. And for the most part, it was just my introduction to it was like watching her make them. And then like us just laying in bed, like laughing at TikToks for hours. Um, but yeah, then eventually, like I just kind of hopped on and I realized that like TikTok is a ridiculously easy platform for me to make content on because uh, most of it is just taking um, taking some trending sound or some trending video and making it relevant to like w how does that apply to like music production um and I, I just found that i'm really good at taking something that somebody did about like marriage or relationships and making it similar to or relatable to producers you're really good at that man i i, I know that that's a talent it's it's i mean i, I guess you could uh, potentially develop that skill. I have yet to develop it because <laughs> for me, it's not it's not there. It's not hitting like you know with I'm TikTok, but stuff. <laughs> but but bro, but you know, I think I think that's what makes you unique is you're making it your own at the end of the day, and it, it's catching uh, the attention of people. Uh, and you have you have built uh, you know a, a following. Are you still uh, seeing that the numbers are growing on TikTok, or how has your kind of your trajectory been on the platform? Man, it's so weird because like. At the beginning, I felt like because like I kind of had like a very uh, like a video go viral early on, 
Um, so maybe like a month into, you know, me making TikToks, so one of my things went viral and then like, you know, my account kind of started getting some traction. Um, so I, I kind of realized in doing that and then like in putting out content consistently is that like you never really know what your content, what content you have that's going to resonate with people. Um, right. So like the, the best bet is just to put out as much as you can, make it as like diverse. If y'all didn't know, Nico's name used to be diverse, just like seeing what sticks. Um, so there are moments where like I'll put, you know, two or three TikToks out a day for like two weeks straight and then like nothing you get like little to no love and then like one day something will kind of catch traction sometimes it's like the next day sometimes it's like a month later um that something kind of picks up steams and then like you know it, it brings a lot more attention but i'd say I that's TikTok, also probably true with a lot of platforms you know uh, and you were an early adopter of the platform so that that obviously puts you in an advantage because not not everybody could figure it out and I know for me, the hesitancy was that it seemed like it was out of my my age range or demographic. And actually, by the time that I started getting into TikTok, I had actually, there was a point in time where I had quit social media. I decided to basically give up music and I shut off my, my Facebook, I shut off my Instagram. And so I wasn't really on the socials like that. But then I decided, you know what, man, like this is good. A good way for me to process the world around me is just to make music and put out music and then hopefully be able to deliver some value to the artist community, which is kind of what I've been aiming at with this podcast and some of my previous videos when District started sponsoring. Needless to say, man, you were an early adopter, so you were able to kind of like, you know, get get in before everybody else started doing that. And so there was less competition, number one. Number two, you were able to find a format that worked for you. And I think that's the same principle can apply to music is is being consistent, like you said, dropping as much as you can. And then once you find a format or a, uh, I guess a, a, a reference point by which you see that your audience is reacting to it, continuing mm -hmm. to build up on that. But it, it, obviously yeah. it's tough, man. It's not, it's easier said than done, you know? In reality, you're gonna put out a bunch of stuff that you worked really hard on that like nobody's gonna give a crap about. Like nobody's right. gonna care. Like nobody's gonna like it, nobody's gonna share, nobody's gonna comment. And it really, it, it does, um, mess with your it does mess with like what you perceive as like your self-worth because yeah. you would think like oh people love me or people like me because it this post got a lot of engagement and then you kind of think the opposite when like your stuff doesn't get a lot of engagement um and it is kind of like a, a, a ebb and flow battle because i even sometimes have to like struggle i struggle with that too like you know man i put you know, I, I worked on this beat for two hours and, you know, I spent an hour on the graphics and stuff. And then I put it out in, you know, 35 views like, man, this I'm a suck. I'm, I'm terrible. I, I should just give up. <laughs> um, but it really is just like, you know, being consistent because you never really know um, what's what's going to pop off. Um, and Kato, yeah. I don't know if you know Kato, the producer. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that he said that's like really, really impactful to me is that he's like, you know, um, going viral is one thing, but then like knowing what to do or how to respond to all that attention afterwards is another thing. And that's where I feel yeah. like I think I'm, I'm good on that. end. like when I have a post or, uh, or TikTok or an Instagram or something that goes viral, then it's like, okay, I know how to harness this um, and make sure that I retain the people and establish connections and build clientele base and stuff like that instead of just like, oh, this is amazing. And then like sitting, resting on your laurels. Yeah, so much of it is is 
kind of luck of the draw with with mm-hmm. going viral and and hitting that the, you know whether it's that video or that song at the perfect time for the market the market conditions a lot of the things that are outside of our control and we talked about this a little bit last time we spoke but you know, I've come to find that there's so many variables that play into whether or not a person can kind of be successful, right? And so, mm-hmm. some of those are, most of those are outside of our control, where we were born, how we were raised, like, you know, some of the skill sets we've been able to attain because of the schools that we went to or the schools that we didn't go to, the jobs yeah. that we had or didn't have, like, you know, so uh, e- even the fact that you and I are having a conversation right now online, you know, 2021, uh, it, we were born in this era, right? And so it just it just yeah. makes it for a lot of things that are outside of our control. That that one of the key things that people fail to realize, especially when they've come to success, is something known as survivorship bias, where they feel like they've they've played a bigger role than they really have. Not to diminish the accomplishments or anything like that, but that they've played a bigger role or had a bigger hand in the in the accomplishments without mm-hmm. understanding all of the external variables that kind of align to give that person the opportunity to make it. And so to your point with Cato, yeah, there's a lot of things outside of our control that could make a, a post go viral or a song take off. Like I had a song that took off on TikTok, Limits the Sky, with three other guys that I worked on, and I talk about it in, uh, in an upcoming podcast. But basically, we most of us had made songs left and right over 50 100 songs distributed and marketed and all that good stuff and this just so happened to fit the mood fit the right you know market conditions like this was an inspirational song during the time where you know it was needed because the pandemic happened everyone was like shut off from the world and this song just kind of started being picked up on tiktok and used by regular users the next thing we know it's being shazammed around the world and and we're hitting 100 200 now we're at uh like 300,000 streams on Spotify on that that song alone and we have over 200,000 videos that it's been used on TikTok, right? All that said, to your point, man, it's like great, that's awesome. We've done that for one song. How are we retaining that audience and how are you able to continue to build a brand off of it? And I think that that's where that's really where you could tell if a person um has refined their skill sets enough and is self-aware enough to maintain that success whether you're an artist or creative or whatever but mm-hmm. it, it that's yeah. uh, that's the biggest challenge so I'm, I'm glad you said that and 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 it's fortunate for you that you know how to keep that retain the audience could you speak into that a little bit more like are, are you are you pointing people to like a funnel are you are you just dming people are you wh- what's your what's your strategy when when you know somebody's kind of or an audience has engaged with your content and yeah. you're trying to retain them all right so like realistically like I've tried so many things. So like I've I've built like the funnels and done that. Um done the whole like, hey, here's a free offering and then try to sell them on something else. Um, email marketing, like and you name it, I've pro- I've definitely done it. Um what I have found personally that like works the best is just literally like probably what most people are gonna say is like just grassroots organically like reaching out to people and networking and connecting with people. Um so I will personally respond to every single comment. Um, mm. When one of my posts ended up getting like 800,000 views and that ended up Oof. being like thousands and thousands of comments. So like I didn't do it all in one day, but at one, like I'll go in there. Someone's like, oh man, this is hilarious. Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, glad you think so, man. I appreciate that. Um, so something as little as that kind of embeds 
your brand and your persona into that person's mind because how much how many um, videos or posts or TikToks or something does that person leave a like and a comment under and then doesn't get a right. response? So they're going to remember when Mr. Cruz shouted me out. Um, and then through that, like, obviously, if you're responding to a couple thousand comments, you're probably going to establish some sort of relationship or some sort of connection with maybe a hundred people. Yeah. And out of those hundred, um, maybe... 50 of them will like end up saying like, Hey, where can I check out more of your stuff? And then that's when like, you kind of seal the deal. Yeah, no, that's true, man. I, I, you know, I've done the same thing, not with, um, like going viral on TikTok cause that has yet to happen to me, but <laughs> I have done that with, uh, with opportunities that have come across, um, online or, or email. Um, and I shared the story with you before and I've shared this on this podcast, but when um when district kid reached out to me initially i thought nah bro this is like spam like this is somebody like trying to hack my account or whatever just it was very informal it was very like there's no no graphics nothing associated with it but i still took the the um the professional route responded respectfully and turned out sure sure enough it was a district kid employee was actual legit and so even even offers that i still get nowadays like I had an email come through the other day, maybe like a couple months ago, about potential sponsorship opportunity with Ford. I was like, ah, it doesn't seem that legit. I still responded. I never got anything back. Who knows if it was legit or not. But all that said, man, just taking that, that five to ten minutes max of just doing your due diligence, responding to comments, being respectful, like, I think that goes a long way, man. And yeah. it goes to show, like, the the power of, of branding with somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk who has essentially created a platform in doing the same thing, uh, engaging users, getting them on his content, talking to them face to face, whatever it is. I'm not, I don't know the guy, I don't know his intentions, but sure seems to me that like whatever he's doing is really working from him for him. And it's more aligned with that grassroots movement. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he owns like a media marketing company. So he still runs the paid ads. He still does like things here and there. But because he does a lot more stuff grassroots, people mm -hmm. feel like he's more uh, relatable and personable than somebody who's just, you know, spamming you with ads or whatever. So, yeah. uh, you know, I've done I've done like the the fifty fifty approach where it's like all right I'll dedicate a small percentage of my budget to paid ads and then also trying to maximize my my output with content and like you said commenting on every comment or or if I get a, a question or whatever on yeah, Instagram trying my best response man. yeah dude it's like you know just do that but you know it's my time is limited and I have to understand that as well and so I have to also spend the energy where it's gonna maximize my return because if i'm treating this like a business like mm -hmm. i want it to be profitable right so yeah. you can't you can't have your hand in everything and that's where people start scaling up and hiring employees and things like that so last time we touched on something like, like that uh, before oh i was gonna say like I, th I think like uh one of the things that like you don't really learn or at least that i don't see a lot of these like social media personalities teaching uh maybe like gary has like said it before but it's like literally just being respectful and like being yeah. courteous, um, there was like one time where, uh, like I had shared a post about like some troll in my YouTube comments who like called me the N word. Uh, and like I responded, I was like, bruh, I'm Puerto Rican. Like I literally wear a Puerto Rican like hat in every one of my videos. Um, and then somebody had commented on that. I was like, oh, well, you know, you're kind of being negative and like you're, you're, you're 
kind of disassociating uh, yourself with that word. And it's like messed up because some of us, so like, I just responded respectfully. like, well, like, what do you think? Like, you know, what's your perspective on it? And like, literally that's all I said. And the dude like replied later, like, yeah, you're right. I took that comment down. I deleted it. Like my bad, bro. Like you do you like, you know, keep up the good work. And it was just like, I could have taken that so many ways, like could have cursed the dude out or whatever. Um, but it's kind of, it goes back to like, you know, a kind word turns away wrath, um, where it's like, you lose nothing by being kind to people and being like respectful in like your, your dealings. And, um, I watched a video recently where, uh, Gary had actually received a negative comment on his NFT projects and sure, like it's not to everyone's liking. And I mean, he's not an artist by any means, but, um, the guy commented something negative about it, whatever. And he, uh, he bought he bought this guy's NFT. Like, so he actually went to this guy's store, bought his, his NFT, even though he hated on his. And the guy came back and had like an apology video, all that stuff said, Oh, Gary, you changed my life. You changed my family's life. I'm sorry. You know, I was ignorant, yada, yada, so on and so forth. So it just reminded me of what you said with the way that you handled your comment. I think it is easier, especially now on online, dude, like just to go back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. It just, you know, don't, don't give that, that type of energy and that vibe out. But, um, uh, switching topics here just for a moment. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of just touching base on the scalability of an online business. And of course there's, there's a, a lot less to, to have to do when you're doing, um, you know, something like this, an online business where you're not a brick and mortar shop or, 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 or accounting firm or anything like that. You're literally handling every aspect of whether it's your email marketing, video production, so on and so forth. But with time constraints, you having a full-time job, you having a family, I'm in the same boat. Right. Uh, what have you tried that has seemed to be somewhat effective? What have you seen that is not as effective in terms of whether it's hiring people, contracting with people? Like what, what has worked for you and what hasn't? Um, well, a a big part of like what I do is like, um, just like YouTube tutorials and like YouTube videos. And as a result of like putting so many eggs in that basket, um, like I've had to learn how to video edit. Um, you know, I've had to learn how to like set up a camera and record and how do I record that? Like my, my desktop audio comes out different than my, my mic so that I can mix them differently. Um, like do all those things. And even though I know how to do it now and I'd like do it pretty well. Um, I've recently like started to hire out, uh, somebody to edit my videos. So for me, that's mainly strictly based on time. Um, because in my opinion, like time is more valuable than money. Um, like I would rather save time than to end up saving money. So if it costs me paying somebody, you know, Hey, I'm going to give you twenty, thirty dollars to edit my videos. Um, that's great because for me on the back end, like I now have more time to make more videos, which like those videos can end up making me even more money. And you know, I could make more beats. Uh, I can sell more beats. I could spend more time networking. Um, so it was definitely a risk in the beginning because, um, for one, like it was a reference. So like, it was a guy that I knew who's like, Hey, well you should check out the dude who edits my videos. Um, and after like, you know, maybe three or four videos where it's like, Hey man, can you change this? Oh, this part is not like, not really on brand for me. Um, now it's just like a fluid machine and I've even kind of like kind of hooked him up a little bit more just to kind of keep him happy so that, uh, he can kind of continue doing good work for me because it's, it ends up being like a symbiotic relationship. You know? That's huge, man. I think, I think that's one of the first things that if you can, you know, hire out 
an editor and for you musicians out there obviously if you're doing this yourself mixing and mastering stuff like mm -hmm. hire that out like your video edits your 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 mixes your mastering like hire that out uh, especially if it can increase your quality or like you said increase your output yeah. um i think that um you know, I, I'm I'm personally not there. I, I I've considered that, but one of my one of my buddies, who's also a producer, full time producer, Ivan Calderon, he's been doing this for I, I think a little over a year or two now. Um, and he you know he's in the same boat, man. He's trying to hire out, getting that video editing piece out to somebody else. Um, we've had talks potentially having me doing that. I, I don't know if I have the time to be honest, but. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if it happens. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that's that's crucial, man. I think another component that I think we tend to underlook is is perhaps hiring out some of the marketing stuff that you, you've been doing as well. And obviously, not telling you what to do with your business, but like some of the like email marketing, some of the things that are like a little bit more tedious and don't require a whole lot of skills. To at least the initial setup might be a little bit more. Um, I don't know, time consuming, but then just the yeah. upkeep is not that, that bad. Have, have you looked into that as well? Like hiring out for the marketing component or is that something that you still feel like you need to hold on to? Man, for, for me, like I've, I've learned a ton, especially like on running ads and, you know, I do like a, a twice a week email campaign, um, and you know, capture email captures over free downloads and it splits them up into hey this is an artist versus this is a producer so i can kind of cater my emails to each individual group um i've been super like to me that's that's the stuff i really love to do and the stuff that i mm -hmm. really love to learn the most like especially like the psychology of something like copywriting like what words help land the sale better or like right. what keywords or what subject line makes the person click like open it and then click the link or you know all that stuff um i haven't looked into that yet i've been more that's that's a really good idea though um i've been more so focused on like the actual creative process of like all right who can i partner with to say like hey if i sell this beat um they're gonna give me a hundred dollars uh i'm gonna give you forty dollars to like do the mixing and the mastering um that's more of the stuff that i've been but that's you're you're kind of on to something. You planted something in my head here. And just seeing the way that other companies operate, you know, I've I've had a media and marketing um, agency for, running for several years now, but really honing mm -hmm. in on that for the past year and a half, two years, and just seeing how you know businesses operate, and they'll they'll hire me for that type of stuff, and not not pitching my services to you. But the reason why I bring that up is that for them, it's just easier to hand that work off to somebody else mm -hmm. who won't charge them as much and. Who could potentially just do the work for them and they'll focus on the things that they really want to focus on two things that came to mind or really just one thing that came to mind when you were talking about kind of having that uh you know your your uh, footprint in that part of your business is that um this guy named gary tan i think his name's gary tan he said you know if, if you're in a job or in a position or if you're doing something and it's not causing two things that's that's when you know you need to either contract out or leave that job and it's it's the learn and earn like position right so it's it's either you're doing it because you're learning maybe you're not earning yet but you're learning or you're earning you're not really learning anything but you're earning uh, obviously the the best position to be in is where you're doing both you're learning and you're earning yeah. Um, and so you, you bring up a good point, man. Sometimes, you know, doing those things, even if they are tedious because you're learning something about copywriting, writing sales funnels, 
uh, the art or the skill of uh, of selling something, being convincing and, and and doing it ethically. Like all those things are super important to a business. And man, even just course building and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's a huge opportunity for a lot of artists and and even partnering up like you were mentioning with other artists creating that click in that community i've thought about doing that myself man to be honest i think i think it's it's better and more efficient if you are able to kind of create a team or or a network of like-minded people that are after the same goals and that could potentially build something bigger and better for the the whole you know the sum rather than just the parts individually i think that would be yeah ideal but you know i'm i'm personally not there yet but i, I love having these conversations because it sparks stuff in me as well and i'm like hmm maybe there's an op- opportunity there and for those of you listening like i think that that's something that you could look into is just look at your immediate network or circle and see what other opportunities aside from just putting out music and making music what other opportunities are there for you so that you could fund your your music your creative ventures having that solid stream of income and then be able to use that to invest into your music um, and vice versa, create a, a personal brand, you know, create a, a production house or whatever you want to call it, media, media company, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, um, like on, on that note, like I, I found that it, it probably happened like the mental switch happened for me earlier uh, this summer where mm. I realized like, man, you know, I, I'm putting out or making like three or four beats a week and it's really taking a lot of time. Um, and I was not collaborating with a lot of producers or at least I wasn't seeking that out. If like somebody approached me like, Hey man, do you want to collab on something? Great. Yeah. I'd love to. Uh, but then kind of realizing that that's a huge cheat code where you're telling me I could spend 10 minutes making this piano loop, send it to somebody else and they're going to make the rest of the beat. And like, now we have, now I, if I do that same thing with, you know, 10 other producers, let's say five of them respond. Well, now I've got the five beats that it would have taken me all week to make. Um, and the great thing about that is that like when, when the beat sells, like it's so great to be able to send that text message, like, Hey man, so-and-so wants to buy this beat. Like, you know, how much do you want? Like, how much do you need to walk away with for you to be happy? Um, and like when that works, it's amazing because like now I've got a teammate. Um, and I mm. think people kind of get caught up as like, Oh, well, I don't want to do that because then I lose out on that cut or like, then I lose out on that money or like, what if that person, you know, ends up getting more of the recognition than I do. Um, But like, I would want to be the person that, hey, everybody in my circle is winning. Um, Or like, we're we're earning together versus I'm over here by myself on this island because, you know, you get further together than you will. I think it was was Al Gore who like quoted something about like, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Um, That's just, that's just the way I've I've kind of viewed working and sourcing things out to other people lately i agree man and and especially in this environment that we're in and i mean most of us are remote anyways when it comes to music production so it's not like you go to an office and like start like cranking out beats with like your buddies right and you keep in, in your cubicles <laughs> so I th- right right so I, I think it's important to just even psychologically to have that community that network to build with to like i said earlier having that like-minded business oriented creative you know pocket of people that you can count on to you know feed off of and feed into right and i think mm-hmm. that that's what we're building here with this podcast what we've been building uh outside of this podcast you and i as mentioned in the beginning you know i met you when you were when you were really heavy into rapping and 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 i want to speak into that a little bit more how you made the transition into producing but uh, needless to say like i feel like yeah that that's that's an important aspect 
one thing that came to mind though while you were talking is um we've talked about it in this podcast before and that's this whole notion of perhaps being too trusting or maybe better yet not and and for lack of a better word being ignorant in the in the in the extent or degree that you are running a business and so having appropriate agreements contracts in place expectations communicated up front um has burnt a lot of people out you know at the end of the day yes people want to make money people want to be profitable people do want to have some sort of recognition we we just are kind of wired like that as human beings and we're not always wired to look out for the interests of others it's just it's just right. a that's a common denominator amongst every person so some more than others but if you if you have your appropriate agreements and contracts and expectations set in place from the beginning i think it it reduces the probability of people kind of getting away with things that could potentially hurt you and your business uh but more importantly i think it just sets the stage for hey this is what we're getting into are you cool with it and 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 having that agreement set in stone um unfortunately i've run into a situation where it's like something was communicated verbally to me and then i i went off of the the verbal word you know the word that was that was given to me that's that's how i took that particular musical project into in, you know into my brain or whatever executed based on those premises and then when i delivered my portion of the of the song um then it started to be like this whole negotiation process well you know being told like well you don't know what i what 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 this was about you don't know enough about this or or oh i can do whatever i want with your vocals or whatever and it's like whoa 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 like there's there's principles here you know yeah, you know there's yeah. there's the, like so i think i think just getting that even less if it's offensive if, to just cut me off of the song than to like edit my vocals around or yeah or or just you know or even even it's just a principle right even saying like hey i'm going to pay you x amount and then it's like oh well we're going to do less with your part so i'm going to pay you less well i've already done my part like oh, why yeah. you know what i mean and it's like and so those things can can burn bridges they can burn friendships they can burn so just just a word of warning, uh, not not for you specifically, but just for the people listening out there. If, if you don't know anything about contracts, if you don't know anything about agreements, I would say that that's an opportunity for a lot of us creatives because we are so, you know, creative oriented that we don't really look at the language, we don't look at the warranties, we don't look at the uh, the law, the contract, anything like that. That most artists end up falling or producers falling into the trap of yeah. being too trusting and or not reading through the language or not coming up on the offense and providing their own sets of rules and standards and, and kind of, you know, mm -hmm. parameters to work in. So, yeah, I mean, one of the, yeah. Um, that's kind of interesting because I know a lot of, um, I mean, every producer, um, there's so many ways to do it. Um, like people are selling beats on SoundCloud and like, Oh, well just cash at me. And like, you know, I'll take mm -hmm. the beat off of my, my SoundCloud and stuff like that. Um, that's kind of one of the ways that I've always tried to see why, you know, mm. <laughs> um, because even if I, you know, for, for the several times that somebody says like, hey, well, make me this custom beat. So like, all right, well, if we're agreeing on this custom beat, like I'm literally going to put it on my store, text you, buy it from the store. Um, and even in the instances they were like, oh, well, it's asking for my PayPal and I don't know my PayPal. I was like, all right, well, just get back to me whenever you want. I'll like disable it for now. But it has to be through that because that also includes like when they download the beat, it also includes like the license agreement. Um, yeah to kind of like it's just always and I, I think a lot of rappers don't and don't realize that um that's not always for our benefit it's not us to have like this paper that like we can screw you over with but it's also for your protection too because yeah um i would be upset if as a producer or as an artist like 
well, I bought that beat from you and then you sold it to somebody else. Like I bought the exclusive. Like, why does this other person have it as well? Um, but I was like, when you have it in agreement, like in, in, in writing, like there's no argument there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even like, um, another topic that's not as talked about or not known about as much, which is now being more popular, becoming more popular, especially with like just the digital revolution is licensing. And, Mm -hmm. um, a buddy of mine who who is actually going to be featured on the podcast as well, uh, uh, Terrell Burt. He he's been he's been pursuing music at that angle. He you know he he kind of grew up and you know some of the the people that I'll be mentioning. But he grew up around KB from Reach Records. He grew up around um, Loso, who's now a battle rapper. Battle he grew rapper. up around a lot of these yeah these guys from the Tampa Orlando area. And I know you were uh, you used to live here as well, but so you probably have kind of like connected with some of those circles or know about them at least but anyways long story short (laughs) yeah uh, you know he 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 saw that there was an opportunity there for him because he wasn't reaching the same levels that they were um and so he started learning more about like the business side of music and learning about licensing and learning about contracts and contract negotiation and all that good stuff and that that positioned him to be able to now have his music placed on you know shows and movies like you know it's crazy right and and there are people that make a decent living off of that type of stuff but if you don't know like you mentioned he's just an artist he's not even a producer so when he's buying beats exclusively which he he doesn't do he actually does a a collective partnership with the producers but if he did want to do that like you said knowing the language of the of the agreement and knowing that yes i can i do own the rights to this beat and i can put this on a on a licensing library like that's all super important um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad you, you, you touched on that, dude. Um, so let's talk about your come up because we talked about it last time and it was a little bit more, you know, in, uh, at the beginning of the podcast. But now that we've kind of squared away with some of the really good uh, pieces of, of information for artists and producers, I want to talk about your story because I think that's equally yeah. as important here. So um, when did you start producing and how did you um, how did you start? All right. Um, I started making beats when I was about. 13 or 14 years old um i was i was rapping back then uh, and my neighbor had like this birthday party and at the birthday party this other dude who like also rap was there so like we we like battle rapped uh it it looked very different back then (laughs) like it's a lot cooler nowadays than it was back then um but my my friend's uncle was there he's like hey man like i have a studio why don't you come over we'll record some stuff and his his studio setup was like trash um but because i was you know 14 15 at the time um my brother or my mom would end up having to give me a ride one day i got to his house earlier than i should have and he was there with a friend like making the beats um so my my friend's uncle would say would like hit record and then he'd tell the guy like okay play something and then the guy would play something on the piano and then like all right then he start building out the drums and stuff like that. But I'm sitting here watching them do that. And I was like, man, I could do that. Like, that's e- that looks easy. I could figure it out. Um, yeah. So then the following year, um, I, I kid you not, I mowed summer. I mowed lawns five days a week for two months straight uh, so that I could save up money so that I could buy my first keyboard. And then I bought it like used from some dude at sam ash nice and that was like then the rest was rest was history that's crazy man and and you were how old at this point in time when you got your first piece of equipment six 16 i mean before that had like a little casio keyboard and i would just like make melodies but like you couldn't record it i couldn't save it 
Um, but my actual keyboard, I was like 16 when I could actually like start making a beat. And they were okay. Trash. So you were six. They were, were bossy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you got to start. You got to start from somewhere, man. And that's the important part, bro. And I think that's that. That's oftentimes a hindrance for a lot of us in the uh, creative communities. Like until I get this piece of equipment, like. Like, yeah. you know, I won't I won't be able to start right. And obviously you need something to start with. You can't just I guess you could start with a pencil and, a, you know, and a, yeah. and a table like we did at school. Right. But uh, uh, all, all that. Seven, so so you started at 16. Now, when when did you start recording your own voice and, and putting yourself out there as an artist? Um, so, I mean, I had I had been rapping uh, for the most part. I was making beats for like myself and my friends. Um, and we were actually going to like a really nice studio and recording off from uh my my friend's uncle and like he was footing the bill every single time and it was it was pretty awesome um to literally just be focused on the creative aspect and like not have to worry about the money and stuff like that um but around uh i want to say high school no no not high school uh around college is like when i was like well why don't i just record at my house um, so then I started buying equipment and doing that stuff myself. And again, it was trash. Like I didn't know how to mix. I still <laughs> feel like I don't know how to mix, <laughs> but I just, you can always get better. Um, yeah. And then that's kind of around the time when I realized like I have to do this because, um, because I was just like, I was booking more gigs. And then like, I also wanted to be able to put out, um, songs and albums more frequently. And so like the, easiest way from point a to point b is just like let me figure it out myself instead of like waiting on somebody else's studio time to be available and whatnot yeah that makes sense man so um you were you started getting bookings and at this point in time are you thinking i'm doing the artist route for sure or what what was the switch from artist to now i'm just gonna sit back and do production full time well I was really excited about like the artistry route that i was taking um this was at like the 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 dawn of like social media marketing and you know Mm. you got to have a facebook fan page and all this other stuff um so i i was not really good at that stuff uh and i think had i been more prepared to do that stuff like i probably would have stuck around with it a lot more um but i ended up getting married and then you know starting a family and then when that happened i put music on the back burner like way on the back burner um and then a couple years later uh, a, a, I saw a friend of mine on Instagram and like he was posting beats and this was like a good friend of mine. I was like, dude, I didn't know you were making beats and stuff. Like, it's like, yeah, I started earlier this year. Uh, and I've, I, I'm on this website beat stars and I'm selling beats on there. And I was like, dude, if you can do it, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I can figure it out. Um, yeah. and then that was kind of like when I decided to pick it back up. However, um, the, the number one reason why, that interaction with my friend all those years ago, like not all those years, it was like five years ago. Um, the reason why that interaction really inspired me to like pick it back up again is because at the time I was, you know, a father, like my kid was maybe two years old and like, I wanted to give my kid the example of being able to watch somebody their whole lives who like never gave up. Um, so that was like, like I want, I want him to grow up seeing me chase my dream like at 30 at 40 at 50 and just like never quitting there's um there's a fine line between uh you know just what what's what's the right word like i guess just just living in a fantasy and also having a dream and chasing that dream and that ambition right and so i think i think for a lot of people like it, it does 
that that line is 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 very blurred um and it can come to be where now they're just chasing fantasy whereas for you you know at least the way outside looking in and and please correct me if i'm wrong you know from from the artist that i knew formerly known as as javi to now mr cruz um (laughs) producer and, and and business owner i see you succeeding in this field because you know you're doing what what you're good at and then you're learning skills or or exposing kind of weaknesses or perhaps seeing opportunities where you could develop other skills that could help increase your business and your workflow and and hiring out and all that stuff um and actually like creating a business around it right and Mm -hmm. so uh i i think that that's that's a that's a solid dream to have whereas somebody like myself at a certain point in time, I was chasing kind of like a fantasy from from the artist perspective. Mm-hmm. Where when I you mentioned earlier, I used to go by diverse, so I uh, so I had like this whole career um, planned out when I first started recording music at the age of like fifteen, fourteen, whatever it was. Up until I started um, making the switch to Nico Santana, my government name or abbreviation of that, and uh, trying to you know be the next J Balvin slash Pitbull, right? And so. Um, I had to kind of humble myself and, and realize that there's a lot of things that I can't control. There's also, I was also starting a family. My son was relatively young. And so I had to pull back and say, this is actually no longer beneficial for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now what I'm doing similar to you is like creating that business around it, being a little bit more practical with it, just focusing on what's the next step, what's the next step, as opposed to like, yeah. you know, light years ahead where I'm balling in a mansion driving a lambo whatever just kidding but um you know but but financial stability obviously that's a huge thing for me and and that's something that i didn't necessarily have growing up and so obviously having those parameters to work with is is huge for me Mm -hmm. as well so and like i I think even i say even artists and producers like we we kind of get so caught up and like um, we get like this tunnel vision like no i have to be a producer in the studio making beats for rappers right um, well, like, that's not true. Like you could, you could make beats for, for podcasts. You can make beats for YouTube channels. You can make, um, like instrumental music for like commercials. You could do like sync licensing. Um, there's a plethora of other things that you can use with the skills that you have. Like it, you don't have to be so narrow minded to think like, if I don't make it as like a multi-platinum producer winning Grammys, then I didn't make it at all. Um, yeah. And that's like kind of one of the things that I've learned is like, you know, I'm so, I've been so focused on i gotta make beats and sell beats to rappers where like all along especially like this year kind of opened my eyes to it like you know what like i I think i'm pretty sure i've made more money from like youtube this year from making youtube videos than i have from selling beats so like why not maybe that's the route that i can take like regardless at the end of the day i'm doing something that i love um right and then hopefully you know building it up to the point where like it's providing a living you know yeah yeah that that pivoting factor is crucial for for any business period but just having that adaptability like you mentioned seeing where there's a need for your specific skills because because here's one thing like anybody can can sit down and and make beats and that's not to sound offensive Mm -hmm. to the to to the producer community like like it's literally so easy where you could literally put loops together that that most people don't require a let me rephrase that it doesn't require a lot of skills nowadays with the drag and drop Mm -hmm. um to make a beat so so that's kind of the the humbling you know reality that that we as artists and producers have to have to realize even with auto-tune anybody can sound like 
phenomenal, right? So, <laughs> so that's one aspect. The other aspect, though, is that um, media, just like software, is is scalable. So you can scale it exponentially and 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 make a killing out of it. So now you have to work on number one, identifying a need in your surroundings. So look at look look at your your network. Look at where you are geographically, where you're, you've positioned yourself in the marketplace, all that good mm-hmm. stuff, identifying a need. And like you mentioned, seeing where the, the opportunity is greatest or where you're more efficient. In your case, it's YouTube, focusing on that and then maybe doing that tunnel vision at that point in time, right? Based on your particular skill set, your needs, your experience, all that stuff, your your history of being an artist, producer, et cetera, and now like diving deep into into who who you are and being self-aware of that. And then I think if you follow like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, eventually it's like, all right, cool, you got food, you got shelter, that's covering the basics. Uh, having profitability, right, like the 20% principle of like having having my business create at least 20% worth of profit, meaning that after everything's paid out, you're paid out, all that stuff, you're, you're, you're in the in the profitability. Like that's, that to me, that's success, right? You're so the black. all that said, man. Yeah, in the black, exactly. So I think that that's where um, we can look to be a little bit more realistic with our goals. And I think I think there's there's plenty out there for 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 all of us, man. There's plenty eating out there, so we don't have to be selfish about it. Yeah. Um, but okay, man. Well, well, cool. I I think I think I'm gonna leave it here because we're at the 50 minute mark, and I'm trying to keep this a little bit, you know, within the the hour. I'm trying to actually get it to half an hour, but it's just so much good conversation around some of these topics that I've had with different people including including yourself so i definitely want to have you back man um any last thoughts comments or or anything else that i may have missed that you wanted to bring to the table here uh for the audience i would say i mean if if i had it to do all over again like if i had to start from scratch tomorrow um i would i know that there's like the, the common saying of like quality over quantity um i found for me like that that did not work um I think what was more important was honing in my work, my, my routine and my workflow to the point where like I can put out content consistently and I can guarantee that I can put stuff out consistently. Um, and then just being able to do that over and over again, eventually the quality improved. Um, so I would say for like any artists out there, like if you're worried about like, oh, my song's not perfect, I don't want to put it out, like put it out anyways, because um, your next song's going to be better and then the next one's going to be even better. And, you know, nobody really pops off off of their first song unless you're like Lil Nas right. X. And that's even that's an anomaly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's actually a study and, and I'm butchering the actual study, but it was like a professor. He asked two two groups, right, to basically the, the, the end goal was to make the most beautiful drawing that they could. Mm-hmm. And these are people that were not like necessarily skilled at that. They were just kind of like or maybe they were artists. I don't know. But either way, they were both on, on the same playing field. One group, he phrased the question, he said, make 100 drawings, right? And that was it. The other one was, make the most beautiful drawing you can. Ironically, the ones that made 100 drawings, like the final rendition, was better than the ones that were asked to make the more beautiful one, right? The the, the, the better aesthetically pleasing, right? And so that goes to show, like, what you were saying is just building that muscle where even if you don't put out everything that you create, because uh, I, th- I think that there should be some iterations that should be private or at least confined to a smaller subset of people. Um, e- yeah, like just continuing to, to work on that stuff. And nowadays, 
with TikTok, like you're crushing it on there with with shorter form reels and videos and stuff like that. Like that lends itself for an opportunity where people are more forgiving uh, of of lower quality material and you can create that stream and that workflow where you're continuously being creative, hopefully not burning yourself out, but at the same time, you know, creating that muscle muscle memory for you so that when it's time to execute, you can crush it. My secret is, and like people who check my TikTok out, like my uh, my niece kind of noticed it the other day. Like she was like, "Do you record them all in one day?" I was like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" Like, cause you're wearing the same shirt. Like they're like, I don't Ooh. care if I'm wearing the same shirt. Like I'm gonna just do it, and I literally record them all like on a Saturday night, um, and I knock out seven, so that way I got one to post every single day. And then Smart. so I don't, I just like you said, like I don't burn out, and I've gotten the consistency going, and so it just. Mr. Cruz, it was a pleasure speaking with you, brother. Um, I know you got a website, and that kind of funnels everyone to everything that they need to know about you. Is that correct? Yes, bingo. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's literally my name. So my name is M-R-C-R-U-2, um, and it's just www.mrcru2.com. The two is a Z. And, and I'll link it here below as well. So uh, just look in the description below, and of course, I'll, I'll show it here on the video. Um, make sure to the biggest thing that you can do for for us at this point in time if you haven't already done so if you found this content valuable to subscribe to this YouTube channel go check out all of Mr. Cruz's uh, content on TikTok Uh, definitely his music go to his Beat Starts profile go to his MySpace y'all it's still active I'm just kidding Um, (laughs) I don't know Uh, but yeah just go check him out on on all platforms the biggest thing that you can do for us is just pump up the like ratio please uh, we need to get more uh, DIY artists like him uh, to be known and, and not just for the sake of being known but also just because he's putting out quality stuff there's great information out there for a lot of you DIY artists so make sure to support him in that way and this channel in this way again I want to thank my sponsors DistroKid for allowing this segment to happen and of course the continued partnership throughout the uh, the last year and a half or so if you haven't signed up already make sure to use my VIP link in the description below uh, follow me on Instagram all that good stuff and if you have any questions I'd love to hear from you guys on the comment section below messages whatever it is uh, you know we just want to interact any questions that you have for mr cruz or for myself feel free to uh to comment here uh and that's all folks so thank you for staying tuned to this hour-long podcast episode mr cruz thank you again for being on this My and pleasure. uh you, recording this on a second uh, second time here amidst the technical difficulties of the first one so appreciate you brother well the feeling is mutual man